Shalom, shalom, and welcome to another podcast of God's Little Hummingbird. And today we're doing a special episode for Yom Kippur. Now in Hebrew, in Leviticus 23, verse 27, it literally calls it Yom HaKippurim, Day of Atonements. The im at the end, which would transliterate as an I am, is the pluralization of some of the words in Hebrew. It's either an ot or an im, and right here, we have the masculine im. So why would this 10th day of the 7th month be called Yom HaKippurim, Day of Atonement's covering? Well, we're going to read about that today, and let's just look at what this festival represents. Now remember, these, these holidays, as Colossians tells us, are do not let anybody judge you in these things in regards to new moon, feast, or Sabbath because they're what? The pictures of things to come and they are the substance of Messiah. So what are they a picture of that's to come? So this particular day, and I know we've touched on this in previous podcasts, but this particular day, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippurim, they just shortened it to Yom Kippur Day of Atonement, but it's literally Day of Atonements, plural. And it is a prophecy of when Yeshua returns and judges the world and saves his people. Do you remember when we read in the book of the beginning of the book of Exodus and we were talking about the number 10 and the 10th plague that hit Egypt? When Egypt was judged with the 10th plague, Israel was delivered, yet Egypt was destroyed. The firstborn of Egypt was destroyed. So their strength, that's what, you know, the firstborn is your strength. It's your livelihood. It's supposed to be this honor bestowed upon humans, and, and they're supposed to be the honored child that is then responsible for helping with their family. And so we have again on the 10th day of the seventh month, this, this redemption and judgment picture. So we're going to read a few places. First of all, I'm going to read about what the holiday is in Leviticus 23, and then we're going to switch over to Leviticus 16. Now, if we go to Leviticus 23 and begin in verse 26, that's where we want to begin. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Also the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement, or day of atonements, it shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to Yahweh. So there's going to be offerings made on this day when Yeshua returns, and there were when we have the temple. Um, a holy convocation means a set-apart gathering. So it's how people do their pagan traditions. They get together with their families on that day. That's what we're to get together with our God families on this day. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement, Yom HaKippurim. To make atonement for you before Yahweh your Elohim. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest. And the word solemn there is added in, but it shall be to you a Sabbath of rest, and you shall afflict your souls. On the ninth day of the month at evening, 
from evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Shabbat, your Sabbath. Okay, now remember, there's a huge picture again of evening is when the day begins. And we read that way back in Genesis. That, um, and many people had missed that previously and before we had read it. But now they know. The day begins at sunset. And here Yahweh is very specific. At the close, at the end of the ninth day, which would have been last night, the close of the ninth day of the month of Tishri, the seventh month, that's when you begin this fast, your affliction. And, and technically the word afflict doesn't mean to fast. It means to humble yourself. And in the New Testament, we see Paul refer to it as the, the day of the fast. And we see other places in scripture call it on the days of your fasting. And when the prophet speaks through um, from Yahweh to the people. And so it is called the fasting day. And why? Well, when you fast, you are neglecting your body. You're denying your body some of its basic nutrients. But you're relying on the Holy Spirit to sustain you through that time. You are humbling yourself before Yahweh. You are not just sitting there feeding your face, so to speak. You are crying out for Yahweh to feed you with his truth, his righteousness, his love, his help. And so on this day, when God is going to make atonement for us, it's not that every day we can't repent. I'm not saying that, but this is a picture and a prophecy to teach us about when Yeshua returns and does save us and makes that final atonement for us. Well, he already did pay the price of the cross. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying he didn't already die and he's going to die again. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a judgment day of the earth where we are redeemed and those who are not in him are not redeemed. They are judged. And that's a very horrible picture. I, I love the, that we will be redeemed, hopefully, if we're found in him. But we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling, of course. So I can't even judge myself to be accounted worthy. We just are hoping that we will be counted worthy, as Paul says. But then those who are not found in him are destroyed. That's what I hate. I just hate thinking of anybody going to hell. So we need to keep praying for them. Up our ante. We need to really, really be reaching out to people. And yes, proselytize anybody you meet. Do not listen to that false spirit that would get you to stay silent. So this number 10, this 10th day of the seventh month is again a picture of redemption and judgment as it was in Egypt on the 10th plague when Israel was saved, but Egypt, its firstborn, was killed. Let's go over and see some of the things that are done on this holiday. Now, I'm actually reading online today because I just wanted to make sure I had the Hebrew handy rather than looking in my Hebrew Bible here and over here. I'm just trying to do this. So let's go back to Leviticus chapter 16, if you would like to follow along. And this talks about what is to be done on this day? Okay, Leviticus 16, verse 1. Now Yahweh spoke to Moshe after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before Yahweh and died. And Yahweh said to Moshe, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Now remember in our previous podcast, we just were talking about the description and in furnishings and layout of the tabernacle. And so the high priest couldn't go every day of the year behind the veil into the Holy of Holies. This day of atonement is the one day a year, one day a year that that um, that everybody is going 
I'm sorry, everybody's going to, well, it's not that they're going to receive atonement. It's that it's a picture of the atonement received. Because I hate, because God tells us that. I mean, we know that it's in Jesus, Yeshua's blood, we receive the atonement. This is a prophecy and picture of it. Okay, so keep that in mind, because I know a lot of Christians come back at me, or they'll say things like, that blood didn't atone. Right, I understand the blood of the animal didn't atone. But it's a picture of the blood that did atone. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. So this one time a year is the day that the priest is going to go in to the high, the, um, the 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 meeting place, the ark, and um, I'm sorry, in front of the ark, and go to that meeting place, and he is going to make atonement for the children of Israel. And of course, the high priest is a picture of Yeshua, too. Um, so let's keep reading, and we're going to be in verse three right now. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. Now we've already talked about the symbolism of the bull being your strength and your own pride and anything you've done in your own will and ram as well. They're both a symbol of strength. And so we need to lay down our strength so that his strength can show. We need to lay down our pride, so to speak, and our because we're not to rely on our own strength. We're to rely on his strength, his strength alone. So our strength often leads us to sin against him, right? Because we go our own way. So we have to lay that down and offer that before him. And and it's in his strength then that he makes atonement for us because Yeshua Jesus is our true bull in Ram. He is the one who really does have the true, humble, obedient, perfect strength. And he laid down his life and sacrificed his blood so that we could be covered. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the holy linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash, and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. So he has to be clean. Now water, again, is one of the two Hebrew words. I know I say this over and over, but it's such a beautiful picture. Water is one of the two Hebrew words that is always dual purpose. It never just means water. It's mayim and the other of course, dual purpose word, which we've talked about is Mitzrayim, which is Egypt. And so it doesn't have this singular or just totally plural. It's a dual plural, it means two, as the Mayim there. So um, so here we see he's going to wash his body in water. So that's physically clean in water, but it's also spiritually clean in the word of God, because it's the only way you're going to be cleaned. Because if you understand God's word, his word cleans you and leads you in the way of righteousness. And then linen, we're told also in Revelation and other places, linen linen is the garment of the priest, right? And they have to be clean clothing. They're set apart. They're holy. And linen, we are told in Revelation, are symbolic of the righteous acts of the saints. So I love that picture. That's also, remember, in the tabernacle, the curtain made of linen. So remember all these things as they're coming together now. Verse 5, And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Again, what's the difference between a goat and a sheep? A goat, if you've ever raised goats, <laughs> goats are naughty. They are both clean animals, but goats do what they want. They, You have a hard time containing them. They do not just follow the shepherd, so to speak. And I'm not saying a goat's never going to follow its master. But they're both clean animals, but goats tend to be headstrong and do their own thing. A billy goat will push and butt and get to, you know, get get you, I don't know, get you kind of buffaloed so he can do his own way. So our sin is symbolized by a goat here, right? When 
we do our own way instead of submitting to the Holy Spirit and to God's will, we're goats instead of sheep. And remember, Yeshua was going to separate the sheep from the goats. And we talked about the goat skin in the tabernacle, separating those who had obeyed Torah in spirit and in truth. That was the ones in the linen. And then the goats were the ones who were the five and the six. They obeyed some Torah, but they also did it with man's traditions and religions and ways. And so those are the goats. They're both clean, and they're both under the ram skin dyed red, which is symbolic of Yeshua. So they're both saved. But you have those who are five and five, the Torah, Torah, spirit and truth, um, Moses and Elijah, all the way, right, fully. And then you have those who are five and six. The, and, and go back to the tabernacle podcast if you do not know what I'm talking about. But I'm trying to tie this together for those of you who have been following. So here again we see this picture of the goat, the goats, and that's our sin. I don't want to be a goat, and let's pray that God gets all the little goatiness out of us. <laughs> and plus, goats pee on their food, and they stink. Oh my gosh, they're just, they're good, but they're bad. <laughs> okay, so verse 6, Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. So here's the take the, take the plank out of your eye first, right? Take the plank out of your eye and then help your brother overcome. It doesn't say don't help your brother overcome. It says first work on yourself. So here Aaron, the high priest, then also symbolic of Yeshua, Yeshua went through this whole humbling on earth. He humbled himself so that he could be the righteous high priest, the, the compassionate, understanding high priest that would save us all. And so here we have, here we have Aaron taking this bull for himself. He cleanses himself first. And when we are helping our brother and sister let us make sure that we get the plank out of our eye, work on ourselves, and then we can help them. It doesn't say not to help them. It says work on yourself first, and then you can help. Don't be hypocritical, so to speak. I hope that makes sense. Verse 7. He shall take the two goats and present them before Yahweh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for Yahweh and the other lot for the scapegoat. That's where that word scapegoat comes from. I believe, I don't think it... Um, you know, that's, you know, we often talk about the scapegoat who takes the blame for someone else to, or, um, anyway, or gets to escape, whatever. So the scapegoat here is where we first find it in scripture. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which Yahweh's lot fell and offered as a sin offering. And that's Yeshua. Yeshua became our sin offering for us. He bore our sin and died for us. He wasn't a goat, but he took all of our goatiness and killed it. If we let him right reign in us, then the Holy Spirit leads us to be sheep. Hope that makes sense. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before Yahweh to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring... Okay, so I'm sorry. So what's going to happen here? And We haven't read the verse yet, but we're, it's going to be where we confess our sins on this goat. All of the children of Israel get together. And remember, even if you're a Gentile, the Bible says you're an Israelite once you believe in God and choose to follow his ways. That's from Exodus. We've already been reading that. So don't even argue with me on that. Because <laughs> you are an Israelite. You are no longer separated from God's people, even if you were a blood Gentile. But, but the point being, all of our sins, all the children of Israel would confess their sins over there. And, and, and we would just, it was, it's this whole day, right? We're just confessing and, and weeping and repenting and teshuvah is the word repent to turn from so we're just making ourselves aware and telling god we're aware of our sin and helping 
we're turning from it. We're wanting to turn from it. So we're confessing it and laying it on the head of this goat. And this goat is then going to run off into the wilderness. Symbolically, as um, the picture of taking our sins as far away as possible. Verse 11. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall kill the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before Yahweh, with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. So in one hand, he's carrying this incense burner, and then he grabs some of the, um, I'm sorry, he's carrying the, the censer, and then he's carrying the incense, and he's going to, if those of you watching the video, per se, he's going to carry the censer in one hand and then with the other hand, he's going to put the incense on that censer that's burning and then it's going to create smoke. So if you've ever burned potpourri or incense like that, it burns the smoke then, okay? So these are like herbs and whatnot that are ground up and then they're placed in the censer and then it, it they start on fire, so to speak. You know, they're burning. It's that slow burning that this incense does. So I hope that makes sense just in a, to make it more real and understandable. Verse 13, And he shall put the incense on the fire before Yahweh, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. So he puts it in this. He puts this incense on there so it creates a cloud. So there's remember how the cloud would come down to the tabernacle meeting and Yahweh would speak with Moses from the cloud so he didn't physically see him? This is the same thing. Yahweh's going to come and meet this high priest, whoever, whichever son of Aaron happened to be the high priest that year. And that cloud was a symbol of the covering of the protection. Like there's this cloud that stands between the high priest and Yahweh's face. They can't see it yet. And so otherwise he would die if he physically saw Yahweh apparently. And, and I can imagine because the corruption of our flesh and the weakness of our bodies and how wicked we are, our sin can't survive in his glory, which is why we needed Yeshua to die, so that when we do rise again, we can stand in his glory, made new, redeemed, forgiven, atoned for. It's just amazing how this all goes together. Okay, verse 13. Um, I'm sorry, verse 14. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side, and before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven now the east side, the east is the sun rises in the east. It's symbolic of Yeshua. We are not to worship the sun. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's symbolic. And and the first place atonement was made was with that because that's the entrance to this temp, temple. Also, it faces east. And so, and if we read in Ezekiel chapters forty to the end, where we talk about the new, the new, um, the new, the fat, you know what Ezekiel's temple, the third temple that Yeshua, King David slash our high priest will be able to sit in that east gateway, but he's the only one. So it is prophetic of him who is the first, the righteous, the holy, from which the beginning comes. And he is the first one to make atonement for us and the first one who provided atonement for us, the only one who truly provided atonement for us. And then they sprinkled the blood seven times. Now seven is completion, so we want to see our sin completely removed. Just as in the festival of unleavened bread is seven days, here we have the seven times trying to get the blood, or trying to get the sin out of us. A picture of letting that blood truly atone us. Verse 15, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. So the bull was for him, the goat is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil, do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. 
So he shall make atonement or covering. Remember that word atonement is covering. The word atonement means to cover for it. It's a beautiful picture. We're kind of covering up the sin or putting it away. Shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions for all their sins. And so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting with, which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. So even our, our righteousness is like filthy rags, as Isaiah says. And so every year there's this atonement being made to remind us of our sin and our uncleanness. Well, we will have it again. Right now we're in exile. We're in punishment. It's time out because of our father's sin. So I can't wait to see this again. I can't wait till Yeshua returns. Verse 17. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out, lest he, that he may make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the assembly of Israel. So there's nobody else in there when he's doing this. It is just the high priest. And he shall go out to the altar that is before Yahweh and make atonement for it. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times. Cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Again, there's that word seven, seven times. Why? Because it's a picture of completeness until it's completely made clean. And I want to point out, remember, there's seven days in a week. There's a seven period of a thousand years on this earth's history. And in that seventh day, when Jesus reigns during the millennial reign, the seventh period of 1,000 years, that is when he will make us, that will, we will be clean, that we will be completely, finally cleaned. We will have completed this earth's history, and then on the eighth day starts eternity when the new Jerusalem descends out of heaven. So, really good pictures. If you are lost, Rick, remember to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and follow along with us in these podcasts because they do build upon each other, and I am assuming you have listened to earlier podcasts. Okay, verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man, basically just a reliable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. If you can't see that picture by now, I think I have not been doing a very good job explaining things. Is that not beautiful? Okay, I'm sorry, I'm almost a cry. That's just, I shouldn't do that right now. But So Yeshua died so that if we turn, if we confess our sins and turn from them, he bears them all the way. All the way away to that wilderness, the never, never to be found again. Now, there was an old adage by some of those um, who have Jewish history books, just history, not in the Bible, that if the goat returned, their sins weren't forgiven because they hadn't truly made repentance or atonement for it. Um, I don't know, it would make sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> I see tons and tons of people pretend to rend their heart before God, confess their sins, and they go right back to the same sin. Well, that's not what it means to repent. Repent means to teshuvah, to turn from. You can't pay a priest, a Catholic priest, or a Lutheran priest, or whatever priest you want to pay. You can't go and confess the sin and continue to do it and think that you're going to be forgiven. John specifically tells us, he who continues to sin does not know God. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can overcome. 
And if you're not overcoming, then you must question whether you are really submitting to the Holy Spirit and are you truly following God. So Satan is a humanist. He wants to make us feel like everything's not that bad, that there's peace, peace. Oh, it's okay. Everybody sins. But God, Jesus says, be perfect as my father is perfect. Um, John, James, James, you know, talks about if you, if you continue in sin, the, the judgment coming. The book of Jude warns about that. The, the, John himself says, if you sin and continue sinning, you just don't know God. Um, the book of Hebrews says, if you sin on purpose and you knew sin, then you, there's no forgiveness for that. So this atonement is not for that. Now, I will point out this. David sinned on purpose. His son was killed. There was a repercussion for his sin. We've talked about that. There's this, he was still forgiven because he did repent. But when you sin on purpose, what the Bible says is there's a judgment for it. And just like when your child sins on purpose, you either spank them, put them on time out or something, right? There's a consequence for your actions. That's what that's a picture of. It's not that you can't be forgiven, I guess. I need to clarify that. It's that there is a judgment. There is going to be a punishment when you knew it was wrong and you did it anyway. And so don't, don't buy into that lie of Satan where and just excuse your behavior. You get down, you get gritty, and you fast and you pray. And with the Holy Spirit, I promise you, you can overcome anything. But don't give in to Satan's lie that, oh, we're all sinners. Don't settle for being a goat. Be the sheep. Let God clean you. It's not easy being refined, though. Remember that. I just, I'm sorry. One more little side note. When we're being refined, think about the refiner's fire. If you're going to be refined as gold, it's a high, high heat. And it takes a lot to get those impurities out. And when those impurities, when you're in the heat and it melts, that gold melts, those impurities rise to the top and they can be skimmed off just like silver. And so it's not a fun process. You go in the heat and then you come back out. You go in the heat and you come back out. And that's how they temper these metals. And so you, the way you're going to get stronger in God is you're going to be in the heat, you're going to be in that fire. And then he's going to pull you out and kind of work on you and hammer you, <laughs> mold you because you've been in the fire after you've been humbled. And you're going to go back in that fire and it's going to be another sucky, horrible, terrible experience. And then you're going to be pulled back out and you're going to be hammered. And of course you get, they stick you in the water, you know, they stick the metal in the water. And if you haven't ever, um, watched a metalsmith video or something or seen one in life, go watch it. You'll understand you're in the fire then in the water and being hammered. You're in the fire, <laughs> you're being hammered in the water. So just remember if you really want to be gods, it's going to take a lot of refining. Verse 23, then Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of meeting. She'll take off the linen garments, which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his body with water in a holy place, put on his garments, come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. Okay, so he left now the holy garments in the holy place and he had to put on other clothes because why? Oh, and he had to wash his body again. Um, you know, once you're offering offerings, it's really dirty. I don't know if you've ever butchered, and if you're not a farm person, you might not understand this, but you just are covered in blood and everything, so <laughs> you, you might not want to wear those holy linen garments <laughs> when you're out doing this part of it. Okay, the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar. I guess another picture of that could be you got to be getting dirty, and so you kind of have to lay aside... He had to come out of the Holy of Holies. Yeshua had to come out of the Holy of Holies to actually make atonement for us. He had to leave heaven and come down with us. He had to kind of get dirty with us. He wasn't dirty. He overcame. But you get what I'm saying? He had to go to this place. He had to actually come to earth to save us. He had to walk amongst the dirty place. 
So he had to change his garments from his heavenly body and he had to become human. I hope that makes sense. Verse 25, the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar and he who released the goat as the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and afterward he may come into the camp. So it's a picture of he was carrying away the, he was taking away this goat. He was dirty. He was taking away that filth. So it's a picture of now let's be clean. I love these pictures that God has. <laughs> the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place shall be carried outside the camp and they shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. Again, Yeshua died outside the camp and he, that's, you know, the, um, the, the place of the crucifixion was outside of the city of Jerusalem limits. So here again, we take it outside, symbolic of Yeshua being going outside when he died for us. The bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp, and they shall burn it. They shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. Then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. So he was dirty from doing all this. This shall be a statute forever for you in the seventh month. On the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. Did you hear that? If you are a Gentile that's, or a native-born Israelite, you must do this. You must do this. That's amazing. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before Yahweh. It's a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. Not until the Messiah. Not until Tuesday. Not until whatever day they chose. It is forever, God said. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes, the holy garments. So this is going to be Aaron's sons forever. Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement or coverings, remember this is covering, for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as Yahweh commanded Moses. Now, I'm going to say this. Remember, any single time you sin, run to the Father. And there's we're going to read about that in Leviticus. Anytime you sin, we are to go and ask for forgiveness and make atonement. But this is the one time of year, the high Sabbath, to teach us of that. Um, I know many people celebrate their pagan holidays, and they, they understand the meaning in the holiday. Once a year, they remember this event. Well, how hard is it to remember that, or to understand that God is actually teaching us, Him, Himself is teaching us, to remember this atonement once a year. And to just take that time to reflect and really make ourselves clean from our sin and our unrighteousness and beg him to help us do that because we need the Holy Spirit's help. So, it's not that we can only be atoned for once a year. It's not that the rest of the year we're not forgiven because you can go any day to the Lord. But this is a picture and a reminder. The, the, the prophecy of this day coming when Jesus Yeshua judges the earth on the 10th day of the 7th month. Remember, he returns some year on the first day of the month of Tishri at the new moon sighting. When they see the sliver of the moon, they're going to blow, his, you know, blow the trumpets and hear the shofar when we first see Yeshua returning in Zechariah 14. Tells us that that light that we're going to see that day is Yeshua. At evening, it says, it says very specifically, at evening it shall happen. It shall be neither night nor day. And we're told it's the Feast of Trumpets, and we know he, resounds, he returns at the sound of the trumpet. 
And then for 10 days, guys, when he returns, remember he returns with his armies with him. And they put, he puts his foot and he returns with his armies to the Mount of Olives. And that's in Zechariah. And, and then there's a big battle. And remember the book of Revelations talks about um, be faithful for these 10 days. Some of you will, of course, some people are going to die for him. Some are not going to die. Um, but there's going to be this huge battle and persecution. And I believe that's the, the huge Armageddon battle for 10 days. And on the 10th day, Yeshua puts to the end and locks up for many days Satan and his armies and Gog and Magog are subdued and then so this 10th day is the culmination the, the where the wicked is judged but those who are in Yahweh are redeemed then there's five days after today we start the feast of tabernacles or Sukkot and what does five represent? Five always represents the five, book of Mo, five books of Moses, which is the Torah, our teaching and instructions. And it says in Isaiah, those who fought will come, will no longer fight and they'll come to understanding. So this is the time where those who they have been humbled and then they're going to have that aha moment where, oh, God didn't change. He didn't do away with the law. And so we're going to learn. Most people already kind of know what the law says. They just... Many in Christianity um, blasphemously say they don't have to obey it and they speak against it harshly in bad ways. But it's then, then, then it says in Isaiah's, what is it, chapter 2, chapter 8, 65, 66, all those chapters, it says, Then the law will go forth from Zion and all nations will return to him. And Zechariah 14 talks about the, all the 12 tribes of Israel returning and we divide up the land. Um, as it's never been done, so we know it's a prophecy that's coming. And we reign and live with Messiah for a thousand years on earth. We tabernacle with him, so to speak. He is our king. He puts that peace, that Sabbath day of the earth, that seventh day of the thousand period, thousand year period comes to the earth. And then Gog and Magog are let out one more time. And then the final, final, final battle happens where they are, and then the judgment happens, the, the, I mean, the, where the resurrection happens and everybody's judged and those who did well go with Yahweh. Those who did not do well go to the eternal lake. And so then eternity starts. That's when the new Jerusalem descends to the earth. And the earth is finally, finally restored. So, or done away with. I mean, I guess I don't even know. The new Jerusalem comes and descends to the earth. So I guess I would think it would just kind of overtake the earth. Maybe that's what it is. Anyway, I just hope that makes sense. And remember, 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 keep these festivals because they are a picture of things to come, and the substance is of Christ. They teach us what our Messiah is about and who he is. Please humble ourselves today, and I do pray, Father God, that you would humble us, teach us our sins, show us so we can repent, grant us repentance unto salvation, as the Bible says. Grant us that repentance unto salvation. Help us to really overcome our wickedness. And sin is rechamah. It means to miss the mark. And think about that. when you're, If you've done archery or if you've done any shooting sports, there's this mark. There's this target that you're shooting for. If you miss the mark, you don't get the points. And so you want to hit that mark. Let's hit the mark. Lord, lead us, please. Okay, everyone, be blessed and have a blessed Yom, Yom Kippur. If you would like to join us, remember, we are now doing some FaceTime. Um, I'm doing some Facebook room meetings. We were doing Zoom, but it seems to be easier on the Facebook rooms. If you would like to meet with us today even or any of these days, we've been meeting on Sabbaths around 1030 Mountain Standard Time. 
and just shoot me a message, God's Little Hummingbird, I should get it. Um, and then it should link on God's Little Hummingbird to my regular profile, Melissa Schilling Smith. You can message me there as well. And you, you're welcome to join with us on these, on these um, Sabbath meetings. So may everyone be blessed. God bless you. And please observe this Yom HaKippurim.